Welcome to the All or Something Living Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Kepler, and this podcast is all about ditching black and white thinking and exploring the gray areas of health, happiness, and everything in between. If you're ready to feel empowered and inspired, then let's get to it. Hello, and welcome to the All or Something Living Podcast. We are on episode 57, and as I am recording this, I am about a week, a little over a week and a half out from my half marathon, and to be honest with you, I'm terrified and I don't feel completely prepared yet. Um, I feel like maybe I've trained for a road race, but not quite what I've gotten myself into, which is this actually turns out to be really advanced trail uh, half marathon, which they don't advise for beginners. So (laughs) we're just going to see how this goes. It might be a shit show. I might not make it all the way through, but I am going to try my damnedest. So this week I'm sharing with you the life lessons that I've learned through training for a half marathon, things that I did not expect to learn, but man, this has been such a good process. So much so that I already am planning on signing up for my next half marathon, and that's going to be in February. This one's going to be not so crazy. Um, The one I'm going to sign up for next is called Saints and Sinners. I believe it's the day after Valentine's Day, February 15th, but I could be wrong. And it is... um, Basically, you're running through, and I think it's like, I think it is a trail run also, but it's like on the old, around the old railroad tracks in Boulder City, uh, Nevada, which is here in Las Vegas, um, if I have my geography correct, and it is, we'll be like running through like tunnels, like the, the railroad tunnels, and so I'm excited about that, and like, so it's called Saints and Sinners because I guess one side you can get like fruit and like healthy food while you're running through for fuel. And then the other side is going to have donuts and stuff. So can you guess what side that I'll be going for? Maybe a little bit of both. Maybe I'll do all or something. Anyway, at least for this point, I have the, what they call, I guess, the marathon or half marathon bug. And we'll see how many I end up signing up for in the future. But again, it's just, I think, pushed me so far that... um that I really enjoy it. So, and you'll learn more about that throughout, throughout this episode. So let's just dive right in. So when I finally signed up for my half marathon, for my first half marathon, the one I'm about to do, uh, I signed up actually in March of this year. And, um, so I signed up in March and the marathon isn't actually until November. So I had plenty of time to think about it, but I truly at that time didn't know what I was getting myself into. So I developed my love for running when I joined the Air Force, and this was when I was about 19, which I've talked about that on the podcast before. Um, But surprisingly enough, it didn't develop, uh, my love for running didn't develop while I ran track in high school. That's kind of where my running career, I guess you could say, really started. Probably didn't develop a love for it then because I wasn't very good at it despite the six day a week practices, um, like literally six days a week. I remember Monday through Saturday, I think it was like one to two hours a day after school. Like it was intense. And me and my friend Jenny at that time, my best friend, 
would after track practice go to McDonald's and get like two this is when they had supersized fries we'd get like two supersized fries dump it on one big tray and just eat and sometimes we'd even go up for a third so I guess that's how intense practices were we were so hungry afterwards and uh, those fries were really good I think that was also when they used to um actually have trans fats I think that's what they took away the trans fats and that's why I heard McDonald's fries aren't as good as they used to be anymore anyway I digress so I uh, for the track team I was I was one of the slowest people on the team but the good news is that I did improve a lot during my one season like I wasn't an athletic person I always wished that I was um but I just wasn't raised in sports so this was the first sport that I had done so on the team, I was a sprinter. I The first day I tried to be a long distance runner. That's what I wanted to do, but we couldn't, we could barely, me and Jenny could barely keep up with the long distance team. So they moved us to the sprinting team. So I always enjoyed working hard and I love the internal reward that came with it. But at that time, running just wasn't something that I was really that into. It's just that the reason that I even signed up for track in the first place was because it was the only sport that I could sign up for without previous experience. And I had always wanted to join sports in elementary and middle school, but my mom always said she didn't have the financial means or the time to like take me to and from practices. So she said when I was old enough to drive myself and I had a job to pay my way, then I could join a sport. So I did. I joined the track team. But anyway, like I said, track team wasn't where my love for running began, but it did, I think, plant a seed within me. So fast forward years later when I was a few weeks out from leaving for basic training. So I was, again, like 19 at this point. And I had a friend come with me to over to the high school track so that she could time my mile-long run because... Um, I knew that in basic training, I would be required to run a mile and a half in under a certain time if I wanted to graduate. So at this point, when my friend timed me, I couldn't even run an entire mile. And it took me about 17 minutes to complete just one mile. And 17, well, I have a bubble in my throat. Do you ever get that where your voice gets all deep? <clears throat> I'm going to swallow Okay, I'm back. So 17 minutes was the cutoff for a mile and a half in basic training. So I knew at that point that I had some work to do. So when I did my first run in BMT, uh, basic military training, if I didn't clarify that yet, it didn't go as well as I hoped that it would. So I've always been super competitive and they grouped us based on our running speed. So there was labeled an A group, which was the elite runners, a B group, which is like the medium runners, and a C group, which was the slow-ass people. Guess where I was grouped? You guessed it, the slow-ass group. So, so every other morning, we were woken up at the crack of dawn, like 5 a.m. or something like that. Probably why early mornings don't really bother me anymore. But we went out to the track while it was still dark, and I remember they had like this 
giant 30 minute timer that just blared at in our faces in the dark at like 5am. And as that timer went, like we were just supposed to run for the entire 30 minutes. Didn't matter how fast or slow we ran the goal. Like we just weren't supposed to stop. And if you did stop, I'm sure you can imagine what happened. It's basic training. You have people screaming in your face and telling you to keep running. So, I mean, would you rather have screaming in your face or would you rather be in pain? I don't know. Now that I think about it. Huh. Anyway. So now if you, if you recall earlier in the story, I mentioned that I could barely run five or 10 minutes without stopping. Right? So 30 minutes was quite a stretch, but like I said, imagine having scary, large people yelling at you. If you so much as even thought about stopping, like I swear those MTIs can see it in your face when you even think things I once, um, I once scratched my head in formation, which if in formation, you're not supposed to do anything like your arms are at your side, you're out of tension. You don't move. I, um, scratched my head because my MTI military training instructor was looking the completely opposite way, not even looking my way. And he yells, Kepler, don't do that. Or trainee Kepler. And I was like, what? They have eyes in the back of their head. I still don't know how he did that. Anyway, so if you have people yelling at you like that, I'd say that's enough fuel to keep you going. So if there's one major thing I discovered about myself in basic training, it's this thing. When I'm backed up against the wall and I have no choice but to succeed, I find it in myself to succeed. Now, I didn't always know how I was going to make it happen or where I would find the strength, but I somehow always did. And I never knew that I had that within myself just in general. In fact, most of the people in basic training found it within themselves to like dig deep and find that strength. And I bet that's something you have within you too. If that's not something that you already know about yourself, I guarantee that you have it too. So as time progressed in BMT, I found myself running faster and faster. I even graduated up into the B group at some point, And I remember my MTI even yelling out like, good job to me when he realized how much my time had improved. And that was like the best because, you know, I love validation. So I was like, yeah, competitive, you know, that competitive side in me. So after basic training, we went into a technical school, tech school, where we basically just spent four months training for the job that we were going to have, that we were going to go into. So tech school was like college, and it felt like it too, or what it would feel like if I were in college right now as, you know, a young 20-year-old. College to me now just feels like a full-time job, but like a 70-hour week full-time job. But anyway, it was... (laughs) This tech school was definitely one of the best times, this version of college, definitely one of the best times in my life. And during tech school, we had a lot of free time in the afternoons. And because we were all fresh into the military and young, we were all used to being very active. And it was in Texas, so it was really nice outside. It was like Texas during this, no, it was like right no, it was like in the summer, peak of the summer. So it was nice outside, hot, of course, but you know, nice. Um, anyway, what was I saying? So, so yeah, so we played a lot of sports outside together, but most nights when my friends were playing ultimate Frisbee in the center of the field, I was just running around them on the track. Not like, like, so they were in the center of the field. And then I was just running the track and kind of watching them and laughing at them. But, um, 
there was just something about running that gave me a level of peace that I had never experienced before. And I felt like running was the only time I could get my active mind to slow down. So it felt like, like one giant meditation. And at that time I, well, I think I'm still very susceptible to depression. I think I have a better handle on it, but at that time my depression and anxiety was up and down like crazy and running really helped me get a handle on my depression. So I kept the habit up even as I moved to England for my first duty station, my first and only. And again, we'd get a chance to play a sport for PT, for um, physical training. And so like our office at the end of the day, we were required because like, as you know, military is very active. So we're required to like have PT. It just depended, but for us, it was like three times a week organized PT where you'd have to get together and work out. And uh, sometimes on Fridays, we'd get to play a sport in the center of the field, something like ultimate frisbee or ultimate football. Those were my favorites. But I would opt out most times so that I could run the track around everybody, just like I did in tech school. And that sounds kind of crazy. And it might sound like, I don't know, like, oh, I don't know how to have fun. (laughs) Or that like, I was being so extreme on myself or hard on myself, but it wasn't because this was like really good for me. This is what worked for me. I preferred to be running the track to playing a sport. So eventually it got to a point where I could barely stop myself from running. So I'd be running for just for fun after a long day at work with a goal of maybe three miles. And I don't know if it was like the environment of this track that we had on base in England, but I still remember what it was like when the sun would set and I would just be running around that track in this beautiful like yellow orange hue, sometimes purple. Um, It was just a really, really peaceful and actually usually I'd have heavy metal blaring in my ears, so I don't know how peaceful that is, but either way, I'd hit three miles or I'd hit mile three and I'd have no desire to stop. So I'd move, I'd keep going. I'd get to mile four and then mile five, then mile six. And it got to a point where I ran so much and didn't probably, it's probably cause I didn't stretch and have maybe the best shoes. Cause I didn't really know what I was doing. I was like Forrest Gump. I just knew that I loved running and I ran Um, so I ended up in the ER a few times with back spasms and, or like my back would go out after running. And so I had to slow down on the running and that's when I've had first taken up weightlifting instead, but my love for running never went away. And actually it felt like a broken heart or a, like a breakup where I still missed the person, but knew that it wasn't good for me. So, um, So a few months before leaving England, I signed up for a fundraiser, which was called the two hour run. So basically how the two hour run worked was that people would pledge a certain amount of money for each lap that the runner in this fundraiser was doing in a two hour period. So I got a bunch of pledges and I decided that I would run for the entire two hours and just try to get as many laps as I could. So I did run the entire two hours. Needless to say, I raised a lot of money that day and the people who pledged regretted how much they pledged. But at the end of two hours, I hit like 12.1 miles. So it was like 48 laps and my body, maybe 49, um, 
but my body had never felt so dead. <laughs> like I could barely walk. And I had never felt so hungry in my life. And that's the part I'm looking forward to actually at the end of this half marathon, how hungry I'm going to feel and how much beer I'm going to drink. So they had oranges and bananas for us at the end and I devoured them. But even though I felt dead at the end, it still felt like one of my proudest moments. And honestly, I didn't feel that like deadness while I was running. But I was so amazed at what my body was capable of handling. And in general, I just felt so accomplished. So that was the moment I decided that I would one day run a half marathon. And that was over six years ago. So why am I telling you all of this? Do you really need to know my origin story? Um, well, I know we all love stories. I hope that was at least somewhat interesting to you. But first of all, the reason I'm telling you is because I'm setting the scene to let you know that I'm not a natural runner, but there was a time when it felt like running did come more naturally and easily to me. And I also want you to know that this time around, it hasn't felt as effortless and simple, nearly as effortless and simple at all. And honestly, if I knew it would be this challenging, I probably wouldn't have signed up for this. Uh, and that's exactly why this experience has been so good for me, which sounds crazy and counterintuitive, but, but it's true. So like most of us, I'm sure that you can relate to how easy and comfortable it is to remain complacent. But being complacent is not fulfilling. And if you know that you have a bigger mission or a bigger purpose in your heart, then you understand what it feels like when you feel called to step out of your comfort zone. Like, for instance, like, do you feel like you have a bigger mission or a bigger purpose? And you know that there are things that like make you nervous, but you know that you should do them and you need to do them in order to make your vision happen. That's exactly what happened to me when I decided to sign up for this half marathon. So why a half marathon? Well, as I shared before, it's been on my bucket list for a while, but these days I have a lot going on. So it's really important that I clarify my deeper why before I commit to anything. And when I commit to things, and this is why it's so important too, is because when I commit to things, I really commit, I show up. So I wanted to make sure that I was willing and ready and able to follow through with this commitment. My biggest why for this is that I'm really this year focusing on building the grit that it's going to take for me to be successful in running a business. Because as you know, most businesses fail and I don't want to be in that category. And it may seem like the only way to develop that grit is through working on the business itself, but actually building that level of grit comes from so many other activities in your life. Because just like they say, the way that you do one thing is how you do everything. So I put my heart into everything I do, even the seemingly small things and insignificant things. And I knew that running this half marathon would be no different. It's the same reason that I chose to go back to college. Honestly, I don't even know if I'm going to complete, if I'm going to, excuse me, fully complete the nutrition program and become a registered dietitian. But what I do know is that school has been really good in teaching me to be more disciplined 
educated, better at managing my time. I've become a better listener. I am retaining information better. And all of those skills are going to help me run a successful business. So whether I actually complete my degree or not, isn't really, doesn't really matter to me at this point, because I know that either way, I'm building skills along the way. So that was my first why, developing the grit. And then the second one was honestly just so I would be held accountable for sticking to an exercise routine while having the summer off. I knew that I was going to be doing a lot of traveling, and I also knew how important it is to my mental health to exercise regularly. So I figured if I had a goal to work towards, I'd stay on track. And it worked. All right, so now that I've explained all of that... I'll get into the lessons that I have learned so far. So I have four lessons to share with you, and they've come from some of my most challenging moments I've experienced while training. So my first lesson is this. Time will keep going. What will you do with it? So in other words, um, like let your mind... Let your mind keep up the chatter even as you continue moving forward. And I'll explain more what I mean about that, more of what I mean about that. So this thought came to me the first time that I broke an hour for my long Friday run. So on a Friday morning at about 6.30 a.m., I set a timer to run for an hour and 10 minutes, which was the longest run I had done. Well, the longest run I had done before that since I started training was about 50 minutes. And as you know, the longest run I'd done in general was two hours over six years ago. So just 20, well, I thought, you know, I've done this before. I've done two hours and then I just did 50 minutes yesterday. So it's just 20 more minutes than that. Not too bad, right? How bad could it be? Except it was that bad. That was my first morning run and the nutrition timing and hydration was no bueno. I still didn't know how to time that. So I drank my protein shake on the way to the gym, which I felt like weighed down in my stomach the entire time. Plus I was super dehydrated because I always wake up super dehydrated, but I didn't want to wake up and drink too much water and then have to pee during my run. So I've been training on the indoor track at my gym most days because as you can imagine, the weather in Vegas is often too hot to run outside, let alone run for like over an hour. So about 40 minutes into the run, I hit a wall. I wanted to quit and I honestly like truly contemplated stopping. I, at that point, I couldn't imagine myself being able to run 30 more minutes because I was drained. But then I realized something. I realized that my mind is welcome to chatter away and tell me all the reasons why I can't do this and why I wasn't going to finish this run. But honestly, my body was doing fine. So I just decided I'm going to keep moving forward anyway. Time only moves in one direction. And I remember my mom telling me that years ago. That's what her therapist reminded her. And that's the way I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the time. So I just reminded myself in that moment that time will pass anyway, and I'm just going to keep running. So I did. And that made me think of all the times in my life that I wanted to quit. Or even the times when I felt like I'd rather be doing something else, but I knew it was important for me to keep going. Like, can you relate to that? Has there any, has there ever been a time in your life when you knew it was 
like a, it was a turning point. It was like you had the option to either quit in this moment or to keep going. What did you do? And if you kept going, what was it that moved you forward? I want you to think about that because time is ticking. So what will you do with the time you've been given? And yes, there are plenty of times that I'm sure you'd rather be watching Netflix and not torturing yourself with a tough workout or conversation or assignment or project because I feel the same way. But as I said before, we all prefer to stay in our comfort zone. That's just natural. And you can let your mind chat away about all the reasons why you can't make it happen or why you should just quit or how you're not cut out for this. You can let the chatter keep going, but bring your mind with you as you keep going anyway, if that makes sense. I mean, your mind has to go with you anyway, but let your mind keep going as you keep going anyway. Time is going to keep moving forward. What will you do with that time? Will you make it count? Or are you just going to stay in your comfort zone and end up with a bunch of regrets as you think about what you could have done and how you could have, you wish that you would have pushed forward instead of quitting? So that's lesson one. Here's lesson two. When you hit a wall, what do you do? So this relates to the last lesson about how I hit a wall at the 40 minute mark. And I told you what I did the first time. I kept moving even though my mind told me that I couldn't make it. But then, and this like, this was a really bad run, honestly. I hit another wall at the 55 minute mark. And that time was a little bit harder because my body was actually tired. It wasn't just my mind. I was just freaking over it. So instead of thinking about the fact that I still had 15 minutes left, I started just focusing on breathing and putting one foot in front of the other. That simple. One step at a time. I didn't have to focus on the finish line. I didn't even have to think about time at all. Time is an illusion. What is time? And... I just focused on three things. Breathe in, breathe out, take the next step over and over and over and over again. Sometimes we hit a wall because we're so fixated on how far we have to go. We're looking at the whole picture when all we need to do is just look for the next step. Because here's what happens when you're focused on just the next step. So you take that step and then you take the next and the next, and the next. And before you know it, can you guess? You've reached your destination and you're so shocked because you thought it would be so much harder than it actually is. But because you put your head down and you focused on moving forward, it made it way easier for you to not give up. So think right now of a big goal or dream that you've been putting off for a long time. What is the, just the first step that you need to make to take it, what is the first step that you need to take to make it happen? That's a tongue twister. Just start with that first step, just that first step. Put it on your calendar, schedule it in. And then here's the third lesson. The tools you build up that seem so simple and almost like stupidly simple, they actually really come through for you during the biggest challenges that you face. And this is why I share so many of the simplest tools that most people honestly pass over because they're like, seriously, 
I'm looking for big results and I just don't see how meditating for five minutes a day is going to help me get those big results that I want. But, and then, oh, and people also say that, you know, I already know that I should breathe and meditate, etc. But most of the time we just need to get back to the basics of breath meditation because people will say they know that they need to, but they're not doing it. And there's where the disconnect is. Why do you think so many gurus and successful people use these simple tools? Because they work. And that it didn't convince me until I kept hearing it over and over and over again. And I was like, all right, I can't deny this anymore. Because I was definitely one of those people too that was like, well, I still can be where I pass over the simplicity of things. Because I'm like, no way it can be that easy. No way. And yeah, I don't meditate because I can't get my mind to shut up. But as we've learned, if you've listened to this podcast, I'll, I've talked about how meditation is not about um, getting your mind to shut up because it won't. It's just about learning to be in the moment, be present, a lot more than that. But, you know, those are just the basics. Anyway, so these things work. And I'm talking things like breath work, meditation, and these are tools that are you have at your fingertips anytime, anywhere. And they really do make all the difference in your life, in your relationships, when you need to muster some patience, right before a big exam, when you're anxious and you need to calm down, or even like just before asking your boss for a raise and you need some confidence. These tools will make all the difference for you, which is why I'm so glad that I do practice meditation and breath work regularly, because one very important component of running long distance is being able to keep the body calm and centered. When I start to feel my body tense up during a run, I remind myself to relax all of the muscles in my body. And that really helps build up my endurance and stamina. And again, it mirrors the experience I have with obstacles in my own life. So what are the simple tools that you use on a regular basis to help you navigate the more challenging scenarios? If you don't have any tools, I highly suggest that you build some. And I have lots of resources for you at laurenkepler.com, or you can reach out to me personally on Instagram at Lauren M. Kepler. I'd be happy to shoot some of my favorites over to you. So the last lesson is this. You need to build a strong body and, equally important, a strong mind, if not more important. It's a balance and a teeter-totter between the two. So the body gets weaker so the mind takes over. But then if the mind gets weak, the body takes over and it goes back and forth. So we're told we need to exercise to build strong bones and muscles. But what about exercising our minds? You need both a strong mind and a strong body if you want to develop true resilience. There are so many times that I've been on a run and it felt like my body wanted to quit, as I've explained to you. Especially when I first joined the running club that I go to every Tuesday afternoon. So when I first joined, it was like 103 to 106 degrees here in Vegas most weeks. And I felt like I was gonna die on those runs. And before that, I didn't even think I was capable of running in that level of heat. Which also I don't recommend. That's kind of actually dangerous. Uh, You could get a heat stroke if you're not careful and very well hydrated. But I literally had to repeat in my head over and over again... Like, like a mad person, the body wants to quit, but the mind keeps going. That was me, like literally running down the street in front of people's houses. The body wants to quit, but the mind keeps it going. Just imagine it. 
So that's how I talked myself into finishing the run. And it goes both ways, as I mentioned before. Sometimes my body is doing fine, but my mind is like, okay, Lauren, we're over this. And that's when I say, take a back seat, you crazy mind, because we're going to finish this run anyway. And the body is going to carry me since you're obviously not on board today. So in what ways are you exercising your body and your mind? Which area do you think needs the most work? So imagine if you developed both a strong body and mind. You'd be unstoppable, right? Right? Me? So that was the four life lessons I learned from running. That time will keep going anyway. Just take the next step. Use those seemingly simple and useless tools that are actually going to make all the difference and focus on building a strong body and mind. The last thing I want to share is some thoughts I had on one of the tougher runs at running club because this is related to this topic. So usually the last four, like last quarter of the third mile is where I run out of steam and I have to talk myself through to the finish line. And a few weeks ago, I was in that place, that last like little bit that just felt so hard. And I thought to myself, would I keep running right now if I didn't know where the finish line was? And I realized I probably wouldn't if I didn't know where the finish line was and where the finish, like if I didn't know there was a definite finish line. And we do that so often in life. When we know there's a definite finish line or an end goal, we keep going. But when we're uncertain, that's when we quit. So if you're listening to this right now and you're an entrepreneur, or even if you have a large goal that feels really outlandish and far off, maybe even silly, just imagine there was a definite finish line for that, that it was definitely going to happen and you knew when. What if that is just around the corner? What if it's closer than you think it is, but you're not willing to get there because you're quote unquote too tired Or you've stopped believing in yourself. You're like, this is never going to happen for me. But if you only knew that it was the next block away. And so many people quit right when success is around the next corner. So my advice to you is keep going even when you want to quit. Because your breakthrough is closer than you realize. That's all for you on this week's episode of the All or Something Living podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you've learned something new. And if you've received value, share it with a friend. Give them some value too. Or I'd love it if, you've, if you'd write me an honest iTunes review or a review wherever it is that you listen. That's the very best way that you can support the show and keep it going. So I can't wait to talk to you again next week. But until then, my friend... Remember that you are enough and you are doing enough.